The Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. on The Blitz 1170 and streaming at theblitztulsa.com. All right, it's uh, 327 here on the Blitz 1170. What's up? Hope everyone's had a great day so far. Broadcasting live from the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studios here across the street from Guthrie Green in downtown Tulsa. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is Colby Daniels. Scott File alongside as well. We want to hear from you on the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma. Text line 918-262-502. That's 918-262-5072. So what I wanted to discuss here for a few moments in this segment is something that I have noticed. It's a little bit of a trend that has been happening in fandom. And what I mean by a trend in fandom, I was trying to think of a list. Maybe you guys completely disagree with this, but I was trying to think of a list, and it's a short list of guys that have played professional sports that the majority of people thought of them one way, maybe they were irritated by, maybe they couldn't stand him, and then once he transitioned to the professional level, the script was at least reversed or flipped for said individual. And I've seen more people kind of go the route of, you know what, kind of like this guy, kind of like him. But I remember some of the exact same people saying how annoying this individual was when he was in college. Now, we are immune to it here in this state. Unless you bleed the, uh, the old orange, you probably thought that this dude was annoying as all get out. But I'm speaking of one Baker Mayfield. So the first question I have is, do you guys agree with that assessment that... There is a large portion of people in this country that thought that Baker was annoying, irritating, couldn't stand the way that he operated, the way that he carried himself, the cockiness, the flag planted Ohio State, the crotch grab, which almost made me get into a fight with a uh, former listener at the Chili Bowl when they saw me because I, how dare I not be outraged by Baker Mayfield grabbing his crotch because, I, one, I don't care. It's not that big a deal. Stop going overboard with something like this. But there were a lot of people that could not stand him. And yet here we are, a few years down the road, with everything that happened to him in Cleveland, all the hype around Baker Mayfield for taking the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs with the Bud Light in the fridge. I mean, Baker was force-fed on everyone because of what he was doing with the Cleveland Browns. Hell, I signed a radio agreement for the Cleveland Browns to air their games in Tulsa because of Baker Mayfield. So I was caught up in it. And then he loses his job in Cleveland, goes to Carolina. People were still railing on him. And I think the moment where it started to turn just a bit was when he went in and won that game with a couple of days' notice when the Rams signed him and just played free football. And they had the comment last night. On the broadcast, Sean McVay told Baker, listen, man, just come in and have fun the final five weeks of the season. That's all we're asking you to do. Finish this out, and then you'll move on somewhere else. But we, we brought you in here to, to get us through and for you to have a chance to have some fun and resurrect yourself. And then he goes to Tampa and does this. So 
are you guys on the same wavelength that I am as far as irritation turning towards people who are like, you know what, I kind of like this dude a little bit? Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with the kind of wild roller coaster ride that has been his career in terms of being an underdog and being a favorite, right? And there's nothing that sports fans love more than an underdog. And I think coming out of college, right, he's the number one overall pick. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He played on this juggernaut offensive team in, in college, and, and they let everybody know how good they were, right, offensively. And, yeah, I think it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But almost immediately in the NFL, I felt like he became very likable with the Cleveland Browns, right, because it's the Browns, and nobody can win with the Cleveland Browns. And for them to start experiencing some success and then win a playoff game, I kind of felt like a lot of football fans in general warmed up to the guy. But it, it almost turned overnight, right, when they won a playoff game. And then the very next year, they kind of became anointed. And they became uh, – they, they had giant expectations, and Baker's face was everywhere. And I think people kind of got, got turned off again and got sick of him. And I think you're spot on. The, the Rams game where he, he – Wins the game on the final drive with two days notice. And, you know, that was that was incredible. And I think that was like, a, what, a Thursday night game. So it was on national TV. And, yeah, I think that won a lot of people over. And here we go again. You make this playoff run on a team. And, look, it's a bad division. We get the circumstances. But, uh, I mean, nobody had the Bucks going to the postseason before the year started, right? There was a quarterback competition, for crying out loud with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask before the season started. Yeesh. And now we're at a point where not only did they make the postseason, but they beat a team that many felt like at the midway point of the year was the best team in the NFL, right? And and the Eagles have clearly nosedived, but that was a that was a big-time performance to take care of business last night. And, yeah, I think a lot of people view Baker as, as somewhat of an underdog again, and, and people like to gravitate toward that. Scott, are you of the same line of thinking that oh. you've seen a little bit of a resurgence of the Baker fandom or maybe more people that thought, ah, all right, that was then, this is now? Totally, totally agree. When he was drafted number one overall, overall by the Browns, there were a lot of national pundits saying, oh, well, he's going to the graveyard of first-round draft picks and quarterbacks in Cleveland. And then what he did... By the way, that's still factual. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But, you know, winning the playoff game and, then you know, doing the commercials, some of them were funny, some of them weren't. But I think that kind of changed his image a little bit. And then I agree with you guys. I think the Rams game and the rest of that season that he played out there, that kind of changed it. And... And then I think just the way he – the attitude that he went into this season saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to follow a Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm going to go to a franchise that has a defensive-minded coach, but I'm still going to go in there. I'm going to go in there with a positive attitude, and I'm going to be the leader. I mean, you look at the guys on the sideline, and they love him. And I think seeing that and seeing how he's followed Brady, I think that's kind of changed the mindset a little bit. Baker is also the guy to Colby's point that in a in a way found his passion again in being the underdog because he was force fed on everyone because he went in the position that he did at Cleveland hard knocks 
right, had their cameras that were there. Scott, you brought up the commercials. I mean, you could not go anywhere. Hulu has live sports everywhere. You know, the the insurance uh, commercials that were great. I, I mean, he was absolutely everywhere, and especially when he started to do the unthinkable, which was win with the Cleveland Browns. And you saw even a little, a form of even more hate because like, all right, we get it enough with this dude. And then when they started to go south a little bit, people were starting to pile on and you saw a lot of people say good riddance to a guy like Baker. But then there was another faction with Cleveland that always said, you know what? Bad franchise going to bad franchise. And this happened to him. I, I wish him nothing but success in a place like Carolina. And when it didn't work there, a lot of people thought it was over. The Rams completely changed the fortune on it. And to find his passion again in betting on himself and having the chip on his shoulder to go in and compete for the Tampa Bay job, I mean, his salary is one that kind of speaks to that a little bit with what he signed there for in the short-term deal and hoping to make more in the long haul. Baker, again, went out and bet on himself. It is in a position again to kind of have the kickstart to the second half of his career, however long that this lasts now in Tampa. But I saw that last night, and I thought, man, there are a lot of people that, and I know for a fact we're talking crap about him when he was in college, because I remember it. And now saying, ah, you know what? Here he is. Here's a picture of Baker who's you know, huffing smelling salts running out onto the field. The picture we talked about the other day with the, uh, what do they call those? I keep referring to them as skull bandits. They're not bandits anymore, but they're that new version of nicotine in the in the can that you can put in your lip. It's it's almost like a tic tac with nicotine in it uh, for that. People you know applauding him for that and going in and taking over for a legend in Tampa the way that and what Tom had accomplished there and really kind of letting none of that bother him at all. It, he's found himself a really really good spot in Tampa, and not only that. He's kept himself out of the negative press side of things. And he had the chance there for a while when things didn't work in Cleveland to really, really start to air a whole lot of dirty laundry. He went on one podcast and that was it. And he was able to keep quiet after that and really just go to work. And I think that also helped kind of mend whatever people's opinions of him was. And he's been healthy. He hasn't had to play through, you know, just debilitating injuries like he did towards his the end of his tenure there in Cleveland, I think that's played a big difference too. Yeah. I mean, Colin Cowherd has given it up to him, right? Jeez. I mean, <laughs> Baker was public enemy number one for years when it comes to Cowherd. And, and for him to, to even say nice things and not find some angle to continue to say, like, this isn't – this is fool's gold or something along those lines, right? I mean, t- for him to even do it, I think, speaks to – what you're talking about and it's just it's the scenario that that shows all of this bs that he's gone through right in his career and all the different stops and and what was the the number they said last night six different head coaches or offensive coordinators in eight years Mm -hmm. that's unreal yeah and now he's won playoff games in two different spots Yeah, he's got more playoff wins than the Browns do, which is quite nice. Quite nice indeed. I like it, man. I like it a lot. And I I don't know how long that this run continues. 
even if it moves past Detroit, and that point really doesn't even matter because he's made the most of his opportunity there in Tampa. And it's uh, it's good to see for a guy that still continues to give back in this community as well, right? Every time that we've seen him back yep. here in this state, he's doing something, trying to help kids, whether it be through football camps or whatever, uh, just making the most of, of every opportunity. So that was one thing that stood out to me from last night uh, from the victory over the Eagles. And there's a part of me that is so thankful, even if an Eagle fan is listening, I'm sorry to tell you this, I am so thankful that your season is over so we can put all the Philly nonsense to the back burner because I don't think I remember a team that was 10-1, and which is why this is so baffling, have the complete moment of Toonses the driving cat off the cliff the way that the Eagles did. It's incredible. You can't even luck yourself or will yourself into 10-1, and one and they finish with 11 wins. And they, they were, I, and they were lucky to, to get that 11th season. win. Uh, yes, they yeah. were. 1-6 and, and to close the year. And I know Niner fans, and don't even get me started on Niners Twitter, are like, see, we broke the Eagles. Oh, okay. They, they were having, they were leaking some oil before you got to them, and maybe, maybe you did play a role in that. But, man... There, I can't wait to see and to listen and to hear what ultimately comes out of that locker room and organization because things like that don't happen without drastic injuries. And they were banged up. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts didn't have a compound fracture. You know, you didn't have certain members. It, you know, it wasn't that defining moment. It was multiple of them. But, man, culture-wise – it either just really amplified how bad it was behind the scenes or something happened that we're just not aware of. But that is, it's hard to fathom that they were 10-1 and one and then finish with just 11 wins. Has there been a greater fall in, in sports in a season to the point that you look at a team around the midway point and you think they are, if not the favorite, like one of the, the handful of teams and for it to fall that far down, it I'm sure like with, there's... without there being like you know like like if Michael Jordan were to get hurt on the Bulls, that would obviously. But without something to that degree taking place, yeah, like injuries are a part of the game, right? But if you lose if you lose like Peyton Manning, then you get it. But yeah, it's crazy. And also, you know, Jalen Hurts. This season kind of reminds me of what happened with Carson Wentz. Like, he had that great year in Philly, right, where everybody talked about him maybe being the the MVP favorite before he had the injury, and they went on to win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. But Wentz was never the same after that one year of success. And I don't know how much of that was the NFL kind of figuring out what it was that he did well and what he didn't do well and, and forcing it, or maybe it was Jalen Hurts got paid, right, and, and there's just not the same fire but he clearly didn't look like the same quarterback even close this year. And the other side of that, and I talked about this when he was at OU, he's one of those guys that has, unless his personality behind closed doors is so completely different than what we see, that seems like a hard guy to be the leader of of a group of guys when things are not going well, right? And it looks that way on the sidelines. Someone had right. put together the compilation of moments on the Eagles sidelines this year where players were upset 
and demonstrative and how things were going. And there's Jalen with the same look on his face. He's so robotic that I think it's hard to rally around that guy as your leader when things aren't going well. I mean, I at least want someone to yell back at me in my face and tell me to shut the you-know-what up. Like, yeah. shut up you're you're speaking out of turn here and like nothing from that guy at all and you're Crazy. right context is probably completely different behind the scenes but that's what we get to to see on a week-to-week basis and the final thing here from me from last night was he may have come into his own as of late and may have more people feel like that he's annoying because of the success of a podcast and also the fact that his brother is dating a pop sensation. But props to Jason Kelsey on if that is the final time, a wonderful career that includes championships, eight Pro Bowls, you name it, he's accomplished it, and he is the definition of what you would think that a hard-nosed, rugged offensive lineman should look like in the National Football League. So a tip of the cap to old, to old Jason Kelsey. And now the Eagles organization, who is riding high at one point in time, has some significant questions to ask themselves in terms of what they're doing payment-wise and retirement-wise. Because it's not like Fletcher Cox is any younger by any means. They're, they're going to lose the core of who they are, what their identity is, and have to try to reform that at some point in time rather quickly because everyone else in the division is getting better. Washington's going to be better addition by subtraction with just Daniel Snyder in general. And then New York maybe might get things together, but, you know, the Giants organization has been one that doesn't tend to be down over stretches of like eight to ten years anyway. Hate to see it. <laughs> Resident Cowboy fan chiming in on that one. <laughs> yeah, welcome welcome to uh, Misery, Eagles fans. I saved you a seat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take a time out. It's 345 here on the Blitz 1170. We're streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. Hope everyone's had a great day so far. Hey, we've teamed up with Triad Eye Institute. We would like your help in showing a little love to our veterans with Valentine's Day coming up with Valentine's for Vets. You can create homemade Valentine's and then drop them off at Triad Eye Institute in Tulsa, Muskogee, Bartlesville, Grove, Claremore, Pryor, McAllister. We're right here at the Blitz 1170 Studios downtown here in Tulsa, right across the street from Guthrie Green or the Channel 6 building. You need to do that before February 4th. So if you've got a, I don't know, an elementary class or Sunday school class, uh, that you would like a little project, this is perfect for that. You can learn more at theblitztulsa.com slash valentine. That is Valentine's for Vets from Triad Eye Institute and the Blitz 1170.